Welcome to PPC 101, the show that trains and teaches you the fundamental basics and news about paid digital marketing. Get informed, enlightened, and inspired with our hosts who will give you all the beginner's information you need. Listen for our weekly tips and learn from our expert marketers. Cranberry Radio proudly presents PPC 101 with your hosts, David Ogletree and Amber Terrell. Welcome to PPC 101 on Cranberry.fm. I'm your host, David Ogletree from WME Training. And I am your co-host, Amber Turrell with White Coat Digital. How you doing, David? Doing very good. Having a, having a very interesting day. Uh, oh, yeah. Things, are, yeah. things have been going uh, real busy. You know, a lot of new business. Things are going good. So, like, you mean interesting, like, good or interesting bad? No, Tell very, me about very, interesting. No, very, very good. Good, good. So there's been a whole lot of news this week. We're going to go ahead and get started onto our news that we talk about every week. Um, the um, there's been a whole lot of big announcements this week. We've even Google sent out two different emails for different reasons to different to different people, and it's it's just been very interesting. Um, and two of them almost seem contradictive. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Uh, the first one we have is there's they're going to be the new automated call ads starting February sixth. And so what this means is that if you have a phone number on your web page that's different than the phone number in your call extension, Google's going to switch that out to the one on your web page. And so that's really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so and what, several issues with that. You actually can opt out of it if you go into your um, auto-generated um, extensions in AdWords settings. You can actually, there's actually a little thing where you can hit edit and it brings down a little list of things. You can opt out of all the auto generated stuff like the uh, site links, call outs, and, uh, and now call extensions. So you can opt out of that feature. It, the first, when they first announced it, they said that you had to opt out of all of those or nothing. You had to use all of them or not use all of them. But now they're saying you can individually get out of it, which is really nice. And that's a new feature. So let me just ask you, what type of what type of situation would you want to opt out of that in? Um, if you're using call tracking, um, yeah. Google said that if they detect call tracking, they will automatically opt you out of it. Now, some people like me, I don't rotate my numbers. So I just have one number. So Google doesn't know that it's call tracking, but if they see that you're constantly rotating phone numbers, they'll detect that. But so that's a good example. So if you're using call tracking and you don't really want that, um, so you might use it because some people might use a different call tracking number on their, on their, um, ad as opposed to on their website. So they want to know which one came from where. Yeah. So, so that there's, there's a lot of different reasons. Um, but, but basically, Google is trying to automatically do stuff for you. Um, you're opted into this, and they're going to start uh, just start doing this on February 6th. Thanks, Google. Uh, yeah. The other one that they're adding, um, and this is the email that we got on one of my clients. So we have location extensions, and location extensions have a phone number built into there. So if you go to Google My Business, you're going to enter your phone number and your address and all that. Well, it used to just show your address in the ad. Well, um coming in pretty quickly here in January sometime, they're going to actually show the phone number from your Google My Business. And that that will preempt 
once again your ad. Now this brings up the the question, and I I present it to Google and I put it on Facebook, and I've been asking around. I haven't heard any answers yet. Question is, what if they're all different? What if the phone number on your page is different? Your call extension is different. Your ad your ad is different. Your ad lo- location is different, and then of course the one on your page. And so you know it could be which one gets precedent, which gets challenged, and no one's answered me yet, so I don't really know the answer to that. But mm-hmm. generally speaking, that's a kind of a far-fetched scenario but um generally speaking just understand that google's going to start doing some stuff for you and be careful of that and watch out for it that's the big announcement really and also the um the one that we just talked about where the location extensions you actually can't do that from within you can't opt out of it from within the ad words uh, environment you actually have to go to the email that they sent you and we'll put that on the show notes on the page, a link to opt out of that if you want to. And it's a form you have to go fill out. You don't have to print or anything, but you have to click on some stuff, but it's outside of the normal AdWords interface. So that's, that's interesting how they're doing all this. They don't seem real organized on this rollout of these two features right now. You know, I think the funny thing is that this speaks so widely to how you really have to pay attention to not just Google, but how Facebook and um, other PPC advertising brands are constantly changing policies and you have to pay attention to the news. And I I really want to just encourage everyone to make sure that they've subscribed to these various news blogs and we'll make sure to put links to those on the site. Because if you miss something, it could really screw your campaigns and you won't know what's been rolled out and you really won't know what's happening. So there you go. You got to pay attention. Of course, the most important one is to listen to this podcast every week, of course. Uh, yeah, obviously. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and like I mentioned last week, we have um, our website, uh, ppc101.show. Uh, we have a blog there. We're going to list the, the different episodes and notes from those as well. Right now, we just kind of have some basic notes, but we're going to go back and add more detailed notes about all the news and links that might be necessary. Yeah, and all the unicorn gifts that you've come to expect from David and I over the years. That's right. So the third one is something that's kind of interesting to me, and uh, it won't really affect you if you just have a single account. But if you're managing more than one account, um, they added a new thing called MCC Shared Negative Keywords List. Isn't this exciting? I think that's pretty exciting. I have, actually. So what this means is, um, well, you know, there's shared, you might not know, but there's shared keyword lists in at the account level. So like if I have a whole bunch of campaigns, I can create a keyword list that all my campaigns share. Well, what if you have a whole bunch of clients and you want to share one? Well, you couldn't do that until just now. So now you go into your, um, into your MCC at the root of your, of your MCC, and you can actually go in into the the shared, uh, link and you can create a new keyword list. And then now, and now when you go into your campaigns, you can actually add it. You have to, that's how you have to do it. You create the list at the MCC level and then you attach it at the account level. You know who this is really going to be good for is somebody like a, an ad agency that specializes in doing pay-per-click for dentists or for plumbers or ham radio enthusiasts, just someone that may not have a varied mix of clients, but you know, even people that that do have that varied mix of clients, there are things like free <laughs> that you might want on your negative keyword list. It's it can be really powerful for people like us. I think. 
Yeah, there's a whole strat. There's going to be a whole strategy to this, and there's a whole strategy at the account level as well. So, um, one of the ones I thought of, uh, a few examples, would be geolocation. So, if you want to go and lock out every state name or every uh, location name, that kind of thing, you can do that as well. Um, you can do it by uh, type of business, like for uh, services compared to e-commerce, because one of them might like free and one of them might not like free, and. Right. Uh, and so there's just all kinds of scenarios. And uh, I actually have a I have a client that I work with that manages a whole bunch of businesses that are exactly the same. And uh, and so that's going to help me a ton. And so that was it really is. exciting. That's awesome. So today we have a guest. His name is Jeff Baum. He is the mm-hmm. Director of Services at Hennepin Marketing. He's a seasoned PPC advertising professional with 13 track 13 year track record of success in digital advertising. He's also been responsible for uh, accountable for managing hundreds of thousands of dollars in PPC advertising per month. Uh, Jeff is also a recurring writer on the company's blog, PPC Hero and Search Engine Land. Um, And Jeff Baum is here on the phone with us. Jeff Baum, how are you doing? Good. Thank you for having me today, David. Great. So... The reason I contacted you is that um, we I'd actually read an article that you had done on Search Engine Land about uh, improving your paid search through relationship marketing. I thought it was a really great article. Thanks. I appreciate it. And um, and so what I wanted to do is kind of kind of get to know you a little bit and, and about about this kind of stuff. And, and, and this is a PPC 101, so things are kind of basic. And so we want to kind of start off with, you know, kind of talking about, you know, the, the basics of relationship marketing. What, what actually is relationship marketing? Sure. Relationship marketing is where you take clients through a journey to take them from awareness to consideration down to actually converting. So as opposed to trying to just write an ad and trying to get your customer to convert and take the action you want right away, it's building that credibility and that trust along the way that leads to a conversion down the line, but also builds a sustainable relationship that, that can bear fruit way into the future through lifetime value. Cool. So, uh, you know, one of the things that I talk about a lot when I do my trainings is we talk about the purchase funnel. And I was kind of wanted to ask you about how relationship marketing fits into the purchase funnel. And I, I think that's a lot of what your article was kind of about. Yes, relationship marketing really does help influence the purchase funnel. So it used to be in PPC where everything was generated off the last click. You could just run an ad, uh, send it to a product page or a service page, and then you would convert, and then uh, life was pretty great. It was pretty straightforward. But now there's just so many places where – People hang out. They may do some research on Facebook. They may then come to Google later on and then you know, do another search and then ultimately convert. So the idea of building a relationship is essentially having a set of campaigns with a set of objectives. So having a campaign that might have broader-based keywords where you can have an ad that's more broad and then bring people to a research page. 
and then having additional campaigns. They could be remarketing campaigns where you you know that those users have already come to your website and they've already started looking at specific pages. Maybe it was a product page or maybe it was a, a very, very particular type of service. And then being able to give them a very uh, well-honed and crafted message that's geared to converting them later on. So it's having campaigns with different types of objectives to reach people at different areas of the consideration phase. So I think one of the questions I want to ask you is that for newbies, for for people that aren't really that new to marketing, figuring out what a well-crafted message looks like can be really difficult. So I I guess my first question is, what does a well-crafted message look like? And on top of that, what does a terrible (laughs) message look like that just limits people from converting? Sure. So let's start with what a good ad looks like. So a good ad has a very strong headline because most people just read the headlines. Very rarely do people uh, read uh, the rest of the ads. So in today's uh, ad environment, which are extended text ads, where you can essentially have two headlines, uh, a good one is a a benefit-driven headline that really catches the eye followed by a call to action. And that call to action can vary based on the objectives of the campaign. It could be, you know, something such as buy now or get more information, you know, depending on the objective that you're trying to fill. The rest of the ad should be full of benefits. So your product and service, you know, what is that benefit you know, to that service. You know, it might be, you know, we offer strategic insights into your pay-per-click campaign. Uh, That could be a benefit that differentiates you from other businesses. The other important thing for having a good ad is you want to make sure that your ad copy contains some of the keywords that you have in your ad groups. So this way in Google, those keywords are bolded in the ad copies. So what you're telling the user at that point is you're matching the the message to the keyword that they typed in. What about the and, uh, the bad ones? Sure. So the bad ones, uh, they tend not to have a call to action. So you're leaving those ads uh, very up for interpretation of what you want the user to do next. And also not being clear with what the benefits are. I found ads that do the worst are the ones that are very feature heavy. And it's uh, it can be misleading because it's logical to, to say this is what your product does and this is uh, how it can help. But not necessarily, uh, it, it may not be necessarily helpful if people don't understand the benefits. How will my life be better as a result of using your product or service? So missing those elements along with such things is basic grammatical mistakes uh, and not adding those keywords into the ad copy where the ad bolts, all that tends to either reduce the click-through rate, which means that people aren't clicking on the ad and responding to it, or the subsequent action isn't taken. So maybe the the ad is clicked on, but it doesn't lead to conversion because we haven't instructed users what exactly we want them to do once they click the ad. Nice. So, you know, we were talking, uh, I was reading your article and it talked about, you know, lots of different places to be doing this. And so when you're doing a a relationship marketing type of campaign, um, you're going across several different platforms. What What are the different platforms that you use? Sure. So some of the platforms I've used, uh, just like most people, Google AdWords, 
the Google Display Network, that's a great area uh, to advertise on, especially to drive awareness. Also, other channels like Facebook. I've also used other secondary engines, such as Ad.net, which is uh, a company that helps you directly access uh, user uh, or uh, search partner networks. So a whole host of areas. And then there's other areas uh, in platforms such as Pinterest and Twitter where where you can uh, run advertising. It's really just trying to match where your user segment, where, where they hang out, where they're socializing, where they're doing research, trying to understand the market and be in those particular places. So I guess you need to build a um, kind of a profile of your of your client. Is that correct? How do you do that? That's correct. Uh, what we've done with our clients to really understand that profile is to have a, uh, a series of business download meetings where we really understand our clients' businesses, their processes, their major objectives and who their customers are. Uh, you know, it's very important to understand if the customer base is 25 to 35-year-old males or 45 to 65-year-old females. It fundamentally changes the mix of where you may want to try to reach those customers and which devices that you're going to tend to focus on, you know, since we're in a multi-device world between desktops and tablets and, and phones. So how would you recommend that a new marketer go about figuring out who specifically they should target and who their their dream client is? Sure. So if it's a new client and you're trying to understand, uh, a good place to start is competitive analysis, uh, finding out who the competitors are. So, you know, typing in a keyword that's related to the business and seeing what ads come up and also what organic results and clicking on those because you can get an understanding from the landing pages and and the copy of who the market is, who it is that they're trying to reach. So if you don't have the inside information right away, you know, that allows you to make those decisions, you can start there, you know, to try to get that information. And then as you're running campaigns and you start to get some data back, you could go into the auction insight reports, which is, you know, clicking a button either on the campaign or the ad group or even the keyword level. Uh, it's, it's an insight button where you can actually see your particular competitors and you can also go to their particular websites and you know that they're already direct competitors and glean that information as well. Then you could also, you know, go out to research tools such as SpyFu and whatnot. They have some pretty good research tools as well. Are there any uh, post-sale things you could do, like sending uh, questionnaires to people and that kind of stuff? Absolutely. I, I think one of the most powerful things you can do is talk to your customers, you know, through through surveys and and methods such such as that to learn more about them. Uh, Pay-per-click, you know, the magical thing about it, it's it's a quick way to get customers, but it's still the old-fashioned way to, to build those relationships is after you, you get the sale is to be in constant contact with them. And you can do that through things like email and, like we said, surveys to continue getting more information to perpetuate that relationship and also really understand your audience, you know, based off of people who have actually made purchases 
and then translate that into strategies to help you get audiences that are more similar to those or ones that, uh, that are, uh, or I should say, ones where you can build the audiences out so you can deep, more deeply penetrate those audience that are, audiences that are already converting. That's great information. Well, we need to take a little break uh, to show a few ads, and we'll come back with Jeff Baum and, and ask him some more questions about this relationship marketing. It's been very interesting. We'll be right back. Time to pay homage to our sponsors. More PPC 101 when we come back. Is your website hacked? Is your website displaying error messages or loading slowly? Even if there are no signs of malicious activity, your site may still be compromised. Websites, like cars, require regular maintenance to perform at their best and not leave you stranded. At Fjorge, our website maintenance experts can help you assess which one of our maintenance plans will best support your needs. Visit FjorgeDigital.com or call 612-877-3840 and get the support and protection your website and business deserve. That's F-J-O-R-G-E Digital.com. Cranberry Radio is your new destination for education, entertainment, and engagement. Browse through our complete library of programs at cranberry.fm or on demand through iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, Spreaker, and Google Play. Don't worry, you can still access all of our great webmasterradio.fm programs at cranberry.fm. Refresh your bookmarks today to Cranberry Radio at cranberry.fm. Looking for a better way to get more traffic and interaction to your Facebook page? Imagine Facebook interactivity on your page like you've never seen. Introducing your new Facebook marketing fix, So Social, the new and revolutionary way to easily manage and automate your Facebook contest and sweepstakes. Create a fun, easy-to-win contest by writing a simple Facebook post. Watch your post go more viral and generate loads of interaction. Track your traffic and generate email lists with ease. So Social is mobile-friendly and complies with Facebook terms of service. Let So Social give your Facebook page some flash today. Zoom over to zosocial.com. Add some Cranberry Radio podcast to your playlist as part of a better profit margin. Cranberry Radio. It's it's good for you. Really. We're back to bring you the basics of digital marketing on PPC 101, only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to PPC 101. We are here with Jeff Baum, and I want to go ahead and get right back into it. So, Jeff, can you talk to me a little bit about how you establish those relationships with customers and, and really start to nurture people in order to make sales? Sure. I could definitely do that. I appreciate the question. So, what I tend to do if I'm working just with a search campaign is I'll create what I call a top of funnel campaign. So those might be more generic keywords. So, you know, these could be things like nursing school, for example, you know, something a little bit general uh, where it reflects that someone might be at the beginning of the research process. So they don't necessarily know what school they want to go to. They want to see, what's out there and get information maybe from a couple of different entities. So that's one campaign. And then I'll have a series of other campaigns that might be, you know, nursing schools in uh, 
Richmond, Virginia. So now I'm narrowing down my audience. So I'm, I'm focusing a little bit more. So now I'm a little bit far, farther down funnel. I'm reaching people who are getting ready to make a decision. They're looking for a, a particular geo-targeted area. That narrows it down. Then I'll have a brand campaign where that usually comes in at the bottom of the funnel where people have done their research. They know the schools, for instance, that they may be interested in. They type those school names in there, and then your ad is there. And then that's where uh, the benefits of the ad you know, start to take over because that's generated you know, copy towards you know, trying to get people to convert. If I'm working across multiple channels, you know, besides search, I might start that consideration on channels like Facebook and build my targeting, you know, to reach people at that consideration level and underlying all of this. So whether it's search or whether we're going cross channel between social and search and whatnot is to have those remarketing campaigns. So having people that have already converted I'm sorry, not converted, but people who've already reached the website have done some research. We then target them again, and then we would create those messages that are geared towards the the part of the funnel that we want them to be at. So if they were looking for information in the beginning, and we know that they've collected that information, we might ask them to fill out a lead form at that point through remarketing. Cool. So one of the big questions I had is how do you convince people to, to spend this money? I mean, so like, you know, the small business, they're spending, you know, maybe four or 5,000 a month on AdWords. Um, how do you convince them to, to spend a little, little bit more money on this? You know, cause you can't really, you know, if you're doing awareness type of stuff, like you're sending somebody to an article about a product, not actually trying to sell it. Um, how do you convince somebody to do that? Sure. I appreciate the question. It's, it's a very difficult one to try to uh, convince people to make that upfront investment. So what we do is we show people, uh, you know, through attribution and we, we, we do a lot of education to explain what an assisted click is, what an assisted uh, conversion is, uh, assisted impressions to show, you know, that there is a path, you know, that, that the dollar that you invest today will lead to, you know, maybe getting two or three dollars back tomorrow. So a lot of times this happens offline uh, in meetings and, you know, whether it's through Excel or whether it's through PowerPoint, uh, being able to show in a visual way, you know, that path to conversion. Uh, a lot of this information could be found uh through Google Analytics. So even if you can show another channel's worth of data and then show the conversion path that someone went to channel A and then converted on channel B, it does help make the connection in the person's mind when you're you're trying to explain this concept to eventually get them to spend money. So how do you, just out of curiosity, field the question when a client comes to you and says, you know, I really like this idea of relationship marketing, but I want to know how much time it's going to take for me to get a return on my investment. And I think most of us hear that question a lot. So how do you feel that when you get it? Sure. It's a tough one and there's, there's obviously no guarantees. So uh, we don't necessarily put a timeline on it. 
uh, if we don't have the information of how long a typical sales process is. So if I have the information about a business and I know that the average, uh, you know, lead to conversion time is going to be 30 days, then I would use 30 days as a benchmark. If I know that it's going to be uh, a quicker turnaround, so maybe buying a pair of shoes, that lag time we might say might be a week. Uh, it's very hard to, to you know, know exactly how that's going to be, but I try to mimic off of what I know that the business's uh, typical turnaround times to conversion are. And that just goes back to asking a lot of questions to the client of how the business operates and what they typically see. Yeah, one of the things I notice is that you're going to have to work with somebody who has a budget, who has, you know, kind of risk, they're willing to take some risks. And if somebody's already barely making it, you know, they're probably not going to want to do this. Um, so one of the things I, I try to tell people is that, you know, what's the most important metric at the end of the day is how much money is in your bank account? How much more money did I make? It's, that's that's what right. really helps me. So how I guess there's some issues with with trying to actually track this, right? I mean, you can't perfectly track across devices and and uh, you know different platforms and and uh, different computers and that kind of stuff. How do how do you, I mean? I guess you have to talk to them about that and just basically look at the stats at the end of the month or see a a, a trend over months. That that's one way to go about it because a lot of the cross device tracking is in its infancy stage right now. You know, Google has talked about having remarketing across devices. Uh, it's something that'll probably hit the market in a bigger way. You know, somewhere down the line. So what I tend to look at to give at least somewhat of what the story is is in Google Analytics is being able to you know show people. Uh, the amount of assisted conversions they've gotten and then the revenue that's been generated off of it and then showing them their, essentially their last click, you know, conversions and uh, revenue that's generated and tracking that over the course of months. And this is where a lot of custom uh, analysis goes into play. And, and these are mutual decisions with clients of how to display that information so what it comes down to is a more sophisticated way is if you're running these relationship campaigns where it's hard to see in the uh, you know very clearly of how did this translate into more dollars, we could look at the whole, as you said, and say, over the last three months, did our total amount of revenue grow? And usually you can draw the inference from that that if we weren't running those campaigns, there would be a less assisted conversions, which means there would be less total revenue. So it's a little bit more sophisticated than just saying, I turned this on and I got more revenue. I turned this off and, and got less. There's some intermediate data we could show. So kind of in that vein, what do you recommend using for tracking, specifically when it comes to relationship marketing, including Google Analytics. So what other tools do you use and is tracking for relationship marketing different from tracking for other kinds of marketing? Sure. So I, I've primarily used Google Analytics just because our clients have Google Analytics and it tends to be for free, at least for the 
basic packages, but there's actually attribution tools that are out there that's helping to, to track that relationship. You know, one that's on the market is C3 metrics where you can track uh, across different channels and even uh, track TV and TV and, and radio and its uh, influence on TPC uh, and other channels. So, I think it's it's fairly similar in the way that you can track other channels. It, it what the attribution tools uh, allow you to do is kind of put those pieces together in a little bit of a clearer and maybe a more visual way, because the the ultimate goal is to try to simply explain this to the business owner or the C-suite of how you're investing you know, a dollar today in this channel, then tomorrow you're going to make money, but it might come in this channel. So uh, there there are some tools. Uh, they could be a little bit pricey. Uh, they range all over the place, but there there is definitely tools that can be used. Awesome. Yeah, I, yeah, I've um, spent a lot of time in analytics as well. And you mentioned, I think you kind of mentioned a little bit about going in and, and seeing the path, you know, um, the conversion path report in Google Analytics is so much fun. I love playing in there, uh, looking at, you know, this person came from an organic result, a CPC result. They came from a, an affiliate link. I mean, you can, and I used to work with a company that had an affiliate program and we used to have some of the most convoluted paths. There'd be like 20 different points that they would hit before they purchased. It was really interesting. <laughs> have you seen much of that? I, I, I've seen all types of paths. I, one of the strangest paths I saw was, I think it was organic plus 86, which means that they they clicked the organic link 86 times before they converted. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, you see some pretty so crazy that, stuff. So that was one of the stranger ones I see. A lot of what I see will be organic, paid, organic, or paid, paid, organic, Facebook or Facebook paid organic. I usually see a path of, uh, of usually two to three, but some of them do get uh, a little bit crazy and outrageous. Yeah. And that brings up another point. Whenever you're looking in there, you can also set it up. If you have it set up properly to see the keywords and ad groups uh, in that, in that, in that as well. And so you can actually see um it also depends on how you have AdWords set up as a kind of a little tip here. When you're setting up AdWords, you can actually say how you track when someone, you know, got a um, conversion. Do you convert the first click, the last click? And there's a couple other ones, I think. And it's just, uh, you know, you got to make sure that you're looking at it correctly. So you might see, well, my company name converts really, really well, but you start going looking at that report, you'll see that, well, the first result was my generic term, or it might even be my awareness term, you know, like, how do you install a, a, a plumbing or something? And then, and then later on, they're like, okay, how do I hire a plumber? You know, it goes from that <laughs> to that. Yeah, it's really, when you think about it, Google Analytics is really amazing. And we're lucky in our industry to have access to a tool that they're still giving us for free. Like This thing is crazy powerful, and we still don't have to pay for it, you know, 15 years out. It's amazing. So, so my next question, I kind of want to get this more specific. We've been a little bit generic, I suppose. Um, so let's say I want to work down the funnel. You know, the first part is awareness. I want people to know that I even exist or that um, that they should be looking for my product. So what kind of ads and content am I doing for this? Am I creating ads that are 
truly going to a, an article? Sure. So it depends on the situation. So if, if we're talking about a service, uh, an article that provides some more content before and, and having a lead form uh, is certainly warranted. But if you're trying to sell a product and, and you're at that point in the funnel where you want the objective is for the user to convert is to have an ad that talks about that particular product and having, you know, a buy now or purchase now type of call to action and drive them right to the product page. So again, it still depends on objectives, but I would be very specific. I, I would send them right to the page where I want them to convert. So users understand that this is the action that I want you to take. So you always want a conversion uh, on the page, you're saying? Yes. Uh, ideally, I would like to see an action on, on all type of pages. So some of those could be a softer type of conversion where it might just be get more information where you can download a white paper, but in exchange you're collecting an email address that allows you to market through email later on. But nonetheless, it's a conversion anyway. And then other times it might be more of a straightforward that, you know, I want you to buy something from me right now. So I, when you're dealing with paid advertising, you, you want there to be some sort of action, you know, that's going to happen. Or if that action just doesn't happen, that the users go onto a remarketing list where you can reach them later on. Uh, this is a way to severely limit or even uh, eliminate outright just dead traffic where you can't do anything with it later on. That's great. So have you ever used display advertising combined with remarketing and using negative remarketing lists so that you can actually send them through a funnel, you find them from the display, and then once they get that, then they get switched to another, they get, you know, different thing like that? Yes, I've used the display network uh, for remarketing purposes. And it's pretty powerful because there's just so many people that are, you know, that are visiting websites that are out on a multitude of, of properties that are actually, you know, in partnership with Google. So, yeah, you know, using, you know, negative keywords is powerful because that's helping you guide what type of pages do you want your ads to show up on. Uh, uh, remarketing just like the rest of the, the uh, Google Display Network, you want to be at the right page because you want the ads to be relevant to the content. And I think with remarketing, that's no different. Uh, I know from personal experience, it drives me crazy when you have that one ad that no matter where you go, it just follows you. You know, it's the one time you clicked on a product but you might be reading the news and then the ad for that product is there. That would probably be a much more relevant ad if I was reading something similar to that product. It might be more inclined to do something. So that's why negative matching is, is very popular and, and very powerful. Yeah, using negative audiences and negative keywords and uh, lots of other negative things you can do uh, is very helpful. That's right. Exactly. So I want to ask kind of an age old question because I, I think there are a lot of people 
that are part of our listener base who may really want to get into this type of marketing and aren't really sure what the path is. So I'm just curious to know how you got started with marketing and with pay-per-click and with doing what you do. Sure. So I started around 2003 with uh, paid search marketing. I was actually working for a chemical company and I was essentially a webmaster. So at the time we were literally uh, taking files out of file cabinets like safety sheets and technical data sheets and we were digitizing them and getting them up on the web. Then we built a system where you can order uh, product samples. So the hope was that someone would come in, order a sample, they would like it, and then they would come in through conventional means down the line and buy tons and tons of of these great chemicals. We then decided that we would run some AdWords ads to see if we can generate some new people to come to that, that sample request system. And that's where I got hooked on AdWords. And then it just led to me spending a lot of late nights just reading up on uh, Edwards articles and, and buying books from, uh, you know, people like Perry Marshall, who are, you know, very popular players in the industry, learning how to actually do pay-per-click and actually doing some affiliate programs on my own, spending some of my own money and probably making a lot of those mistakes that a lot of business owners would make. But it helped me really learn pay-per-click and a career developed out of it. So it, it's been an interesting ride. How long have you been at Hannapin? I've been in Hannapin a little over three and a half years now. Okay. You know, in your article, um, there was a real interesting part that near the end that I liked, the elephant and the driver. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. I, I definitely would uh, love to talk about it because I think it's one of the areas that we tend to put the least amount of time and effort into is ad copy. You know, we talk a lot about bids. We talk a lot about all the other aspects, but we have to remember the one thing that our potential customers see is the ad and we need them to do something based on the ad. So the elephant and the driver, the, the concept of it is if you think about a real elephant and a real driver on, that, that sits on top of the elephant, the elephant has a very low intellect, and they act very much on emotion. The driver has the intellect. They're the ones who see obstacles and roadblocks, and they have to you know, rationalize, do I go to the left or do I go to the right? So if you apply that methodology to writing ads, we have to strike a, a balance between hitting emotional uh, drivers while at the same time removing obstacles and, and, and dealing with the rational. So in my article, I had, had a, an ad that Hootsuite had written, and they start off the first line of their ad by saying, start saving time on social. That's a very emotional benefit. I'm going to gain something. I'm going to gain time. I'm going to have that little bit of time back to do something else with my life. But then you have the rational. So why do I need to buy this product? Well, I, I can manage all my social networks on one simple dashboard. So while most uh, purchases are made off of emotion, there still has to be some rational. There has to be some benefits and features that can be explained. And then, you know, offering things like proof or offering uh, 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 30-day trials, something that removes obstacles along the way is essentially the elephant and the driver 
uh, and it's a way of getting people to react on this base level of I've got to have that. So they drop their inhibitions to converting while at the same time, you know, providing, you know, real life concrete things that's going to make their life better. So it's striking a balance all in an ad with limited characters. That's great. Well, we've actually run out of time. And thank you so much, Jeff, for coming to visit us. And uh, you're at Hennepin Marketing. And uh, Amber. Time to pay homage to our sponsors. More PPC 101 when we come back. Looking for a white-label SEO and social platform for your clients? Think eBrands. Free and unlimited SEO audit reports. eBrands. Premium Facebook apps and welcome page creators. eBrands. Twitter management app, analytics, and mobile site generators. eBrands. Let eBrands manage your search and social media campaigns and give you and your clients access to their white label dashboard, which have great reports that will wow your clients and deliver great ROI and results. Try eBrands for 30 days. Go to eBrandsWithAZ.com or call 1-866-625-5717. That's eBrandsWithAZ for eBrands. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at WMETraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at WMETraining.com. Do you have cold, hard cash burning a hole in your pocket? Let Cranberry Radio lighten your load. Just hand us that burdensome dinero and we'll get you set up with your very own radio show. We produce, edit, and amplify the show. All you have to do is show up. It's time for you to make an impact. We're glad to help. Just hand over the cash. Space is limited. So contact us now at sales at cranberry.fm. Content for your ears and everything in between. Cranberry.fm We're back to bring you the basics of digital marketing on PPC 101, only on Cranberry Radio. Welcome back to PPC 101 here on Cranberry.fm. I am Amber Turrell with White Coat Digital, and I'm here with my co-host. I am David Ogletree from WMETraining.com. And we're going to wrap up this hour by talking a little bit about Facebook tips. So I'm going to bring David on this one because he is an AdWords guru. And I know that some of the tips I'm going to share with you are actually tips that apply kind of across the board for pay-per-click. But my, my very first tip is going to be about exclusions. And I, I think it's important to bring this up first because it's kind of scary how many of our, our listeners out there and, and just people who do pay-per-click advertising in general aren't really using the exclusions features of pay-per-click to really enhance their accounts to the maximum. So I want to start off by talking about how to do an exclusion in Facebook. So let's say that somebody is is going to go buy a product of yours or they don't want to receive your advertising anymore you're going to have things like um, an unsubscribe list or a list of people that 
you're not going to ever email again. And you might also have a list of customers who already bought. And if they've already purchased, well, you certainly don't want them seeing your ads. So what you're going to do is go to Facebook ads, go under custom audiences, and you're going to select exclude instead of include. You're going to see a little drop down menu there and you can just click it over from include to exclude. And you might want to exclude newsletter subscribers that don't want to hear from you. You can even, you don't have to wait for people to buy. You can even get rid of audiences that have seen certain pages. And the reason that I bring this up is that I see ads all the time on Facebook where people are commenting, hey, I just bought your product yesterday. Well, that person should have been excluded pretty quickly after purchasing the product. So Facebook has really powerful, flexible targeting for doing this. And I just want to make sure that everybody's using it. So, Dave, Google does this as well, correct? Yeah, but I would make some comments on well, both of them, really, um, especially on Facebook. You might want to do a little testing with that as well, because if someone did make a comment, hey, I just bought that yesterday, well, all of their all of their friends just now saw that and are now seeing your ad. So it is another way to actually see your ad. So you have to be careful about not excluding too much. That's right. So in AdWords, you know, we talked about that a little bit earlier in the show. Um you, there's a lot of things you can exclude. There's excluding uh, keywords. There's excluding audiences. So if you're doing display network, you can definitely exclude an audience. You can actually set in AdWords. You can actually set um, how many times your ad is showed per day. So I, you know, say I only want them to see this ad once a day or three times a day, so that they're not just, you know, being feel like they're being stalked. You know, Amazon makes me feel like I'm stalked sometimes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Don't so, they? So, and you could even, uh, you could, like I said before, you can even play around with doing a little bit of ping pong with, um, with your audiences. You have a whole bunch of different kinds of audiences and one audience can be, um, that the ad was seen by this other audience. And so once that ad is seen, they then get moved to the other audience and you can negative them out of the old one. So they no longer see the old ad anymore. They only see the new ad. So just something that I think a lot of people aren't talking about right now, and I want to kind of bring to the forefront, especially for those folks who might not be used to Facebook. I don't know if you've seen this, David, but a lot of people are now doing really long form ad copy on Facebook. So have you seen someone whose ad copy is so long that it it's almost like a sales page on their Facebook ad instead of just a few lines of text? Yeah, I've seen a few things like that. I mean, I mean, there is a there is a whole school of thought there. I mean, there are some people who truly believe in the long form ad, uh, and you know, it's just something you want to test if you want to try doing that. It's not necessarily an evil thing, um, but you definitely, in some cases, it may be. So, one of the pieces of advice that I want to give to the audience is that if if you ever decide to use long form copy to really use the same kind of copy strategies that you're going to use when you create a winning sales page. So you want to grab attention, mention the benefits, and you really want to appeal emotionally throughout every step of that copy. So since you have that opportunity that you're not going to be able to use on other ad platforms to just create an appeal to the audience from top to bottom, if you're going to have a huge ad, then you might as well use it, use it, to speak to people using techniques that have worked before. So definitely make sure that if you're going to use that long form copy that you use those sales page techniques that have worked for other folks. Hmm. What else do we have, Mr. Ogletree? So comments. That's one thing that I want to talk about. 
I work with a lot of people who don't bother to read the comments that pop up on their ads. So they don't know how much engagement they have, how many likes they have. They don't read the comments. And even worse, some people will read the the comments and respond negatively to their own customers, which you never, ever want to do. Yeah, don't get into a fight with your customers on oh, Facebook. Yeah. D- d- how often have you seen that, Dave? Every once in a while. It's not like all the time, but every once in a while I see that. Uh, and, you know, you can actually, you know, delete those things, can't you? You can. Um there are definitely situations where I think it benefits you to delete them. But if you can, if you can turn around a discussion with a customer in a way that shows the value of your product, think of it kind of like Yelp, where you're getting negative feedback. You want to try to turn that feedback into a positive. But if you're dealing with somebody that's just off the rails, then you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, like you're you're proving that you have good customer service, and so right. by doing that, and you're actually sometimes you actually are doing customer service in that ad. And, and it helps just people to see that you're you're good at it. That's right. And I, I think it's funny working with people. A lot of people put their own brands out there and don't really think about the fact that they're opening themselves up for public scrutiny. Like, for instance, I have a friend who just did a, a video with someone very popular on YouTube and ended up it ended up kind of turning into a YouTube ad as well as something that has been featured on that person's website. And when he started to see the comments that that flooded in, he had a bit of an identity crisis. <laughs> like, oh my God, people really think this about me. So you have to be ready for you have to be ready for that. You have to be ready to deal with the public when you're putting your face out there, whether it's on Facebook, whether it's on YouTube, wherever it is. Don't take it personally is some advice that I can definitely give. So, well, we've actually come to the end of our show, and uh, things have been really good. Um, I want to go ahead and kind of plug a little bit, a few things. Um, we have our new, our new uh, blog, www.ppc101.show. You can go there and get information about the different episodes, any links that we may put up, uh, any information. You can subscribe, and we'll send you an email when new, new, new shows have come up. Um, and also, you can, um, if you need to do any business with uh, any training, you can actually uh, contact me. David at wmetraining.com at www.wmetraining.com and get some training. And for my end, if you need an awesome sales funnel built or you want to talk about funnelizing in general, I welcome you to contact me using Amber at whitecoatdigital.com or you can just contact me using Amber at amberturl.com and we'll put those addresses up on the site as well. All right. You can also download episodes of our program by going to cranberry.fm. Or you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and SoundCloud, and very soon on iHeartRadio. The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests, and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. 